Welcome to the Strut South Podcast. Today on the show, I talked to Sean Allen. And today's episode is more of a Q&A style. And the way we do it is we actually get Sean to act as the host. So he's the one asking me questions. And I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was good for a, a listener and a fan of the show to come on and ask me questions. And with that said, I, I don't claim to be a professional. I was just answering these questions, uh, and and that's the answers on here is my opinion. So I do get a little bit long-winded sometimes, and that's just y'all will just have to bear with me on that. <laughs> that's just me, but uh, but I really enjoyed this episode, and I think it's a great episode. People may get something out of this, uh, and I want to say. Uh, at about the seven and a half minute mark, we were having a lot of issues trying to record. So we finally just decided to do it over the phone. And you'll definitely be able to tell a difference in the quality of the audio. It won't be up to par with the previous episodes, but I think you guys are still gonna enjoy it. So we'll get to it. All right, guys, welcome to episode 18. Today we have Sean Allen on here with us, and he's from Florida. He's a big fan of the show. He's a he's a listener of the show, and uh, we want to get him on here and talk deer and whatever else we think about. So, what's up, Sean? How you doing there, Ron? I'm glad you have me on here. Oh man, good. I'm all right, man. I, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, so, you are uh down there in florida and uh we were talking before the podcast you had told me that uh you actually do most of your hunting up in georgia um so kind of talk about that a little bit how's your how's your season going a little bit well season uh started out kind of hot but you know uh i think last this past weekend it kind of got a cool spell and uh i'm hunting in telfair county which is right above douglas and between mcgray it's kind of toward the southeast corner of the state uh but last weekend we got our first cool spell uh got down in the 40s uh which i thought we'd get the deer moving uh but you know i think it's starting to get slow slowly tinkering toward the rut here in the next couple of days, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually I, I hunted what day What's today. That's, I actually should have said this right when we started. Um, today is November the 7th, right? Yeah, correct. All right. Yeah. So you guys are going to be hearing this basically November the 8th. Um, I'll put this on as soon as I'm done editing the audio and all that stuff. But, um, yes, November the 7th, and I hunted November the 4th, and I saw one small buck. I don't know what he was. He was four or five point or something like that. He was chasing two does pretty hard. And uh, But I'm, I'm on the left side of Georgia. You're kind of down there in the bottom right somewhere, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. I'm kind of below uh, Vidalia and all that. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's pretty. I think it's getting pretty cranked up here, which that's that's been kind of the way it has been for gosh twenty years at least. I mean, usually usually about November the fifth until Thanksgiving. I mean, you pretty much got to be in the woods ready to see it happening. So. Yeah, that's what I was hoping this kind of past weekend with that cool front, you know, uh, been seeing a little bit of scrapes going on and, you know, rubs and everything else. And But so far I've seen some small bucks get kind of spunky, but no big ones quite chasing them just yet. Uh, mostly small ones running right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you been, so have you been able to uh, take any deer yet this year? No, I had uh, you know, plenty of opportunities, but I got two youngins that I'm take, kind of saving some for them, and uh, I'm just holding myself out for, you know, larger ones. But, you know, 
I like to meat hunt just as much as I do trophy hunt, but I like to have my kids in the woods and, you know, let them see stuff. And if they want to take it, you know, let them have it. So, uh, That's right. But I haven't taken anything yet this year. I got you. Um, yeah, so I've only I've only shot two deer so far, uh, but I haven't I haven't hunted a whole lot. I mean, and it's been super hot, super hot here the last three or four days. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's going to change because I need to be in the woods because it is right now. I think it's prime time for up here, and hopefully this temperatures. I'm saying this temperature is supposed to drop sometime here in the next few days. So. Yeah, uh, next week supposed to drop pretty good up there, so I might have to take another little trip up there next weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna hit just right. Right. Usually about November tenth is when it really gets cranked up around, especially around my neck of the woods. Um, right. So. We were going to do something a little bit different today. Um, instead of me kind of being the host and or whatever and bombarding you with questions and stuff like that, we're actually going to get you to um, ask me questions about whatever, you know, whatever you want to ask me about. And uh, for all the listeners out there, um, Sean had contacted me and was just wanting to you know telling me he wanted to talk deer so i figured um it would be a cool idea to you know kind of get him to be i guess the host for a little while so i guess we'll uh get into that then uh that sounds good uh first of all i just want to thank ryan for having me on and thank justin and peyton for all the good work they do on Strut South. And if you guys hadn't seen them in their videos or podcasts, I highly recommend you watch these guys because they, they do it like the average blue-collar worker does it like anywhere around here. So uh, I encourage you guys to tune in to them. But, uh, I appreciate that. Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, first, I just, you know, I wanted to, I contacted Ryan just because I wanted to pick his brain about some things and everything. Uh, first of all, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, about the uh, rutting activity. Uh, got a question about size of scrapes, and you know, you know whether the scrape is like a foot wide or two or three feet wide. Do you think that the size of the scrape represents the size of the deer, or is it just? the age of the deer or what, 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 what do you think it's relevant to? Um, that's actually a pretty good question. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think it really matters. Um, I don't think size of the scrape matters or what is, I don't think it tells you how big the deer is because you got, I mean, I've seen scrapes from all different sizes and, get pictures I don't, I don't really see many deer on a scrape while i'm hunting but i get right. pictures of all different kinds of deer on a scrape um now if a scrape is pretty big now it could be it, it could be like a community scrape and, and i would one, i want the one buck yeah, well, not necessarily buck, but all the deer in the in the herd, or you know, all the deer on your property. Oh, um, they would because typically you're going typically you'll find a scrape, and that's what they call it is like a community scrape, but it's one of those scrapes where all the deer go to it just to see what if there's any new deer coming in. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't know if I don't know if size does matter if it's a community scrape or not. I mean, but most of the time we've when I've seen a really big scrape, um, usually I get pictures of a lot of different deer on it, 
which and, and, was, but even then but and even then like a small scrape I'll still get a bunch of different bucks on a small scrape but it just seems that a, a really really big scrape you know scrape size of hoodie you truck it just seems like even those are the scrapes where you see a lot of the does and the bucks Right, so like, like, like community scrapes, kind of like the community center for, you know, people that go around checking out who's in the area and who's coming and going. Right, so right. I mean, and they got, yeah, I mean, they'll, and, and deer, they'll make scrapes even during the summertime. And, and that's a lot of times, that's when you'll see a, a community scrape. Um, cause it's just, cause even, even in summertime, deer still, they're very social animals. So they still want to know, you know, hey, I see I see a scrape over there. I'm going to go check it out and see if anybody news done showed up. Right. Now, now carry that to, to rubs beside the trees. Uh, I think bigger deer, bigger racks use bigger trees and smaller bucks use smaller trees, or what's your thoughts on that? Well, typically the the bigger the tree, I think the bigger the buck was that made it. Now right. I have seen I have seen spikes rub a really large tree, but I, I do think typically the bigger the tree, more than likely the bigger the buck was that made it. And uh, but also you can you can relate rubs two scrapes because like i said deer are very social animals and they yeah. have that scent gland on their forehead and a lot of times what they'll do even if they are rubbing a tree they're they're doing it too to put their scent on the tree so right. some sometimes you'll have a rub like and i i witnessed this one time we were hunting a place and there was always a big rub in the same spot every year. But it was a big tree. I mean, it was the size of a, a coke, of like a two-liter bottle. Oh, really? And and uh, we, I always thought, man, man, I want to see the buck that's making that rub because it was always there every single year. Uh-huh. And I, I was hunting one day. It's on the edge of a pasture. And I saw a spike come out, and he walked right to it, and he rubbed it. And uh, huh. so that told me right there that that was it was probably sort of like a community rub, kind of like a community scrape. But right, and I, and I I do think they they do that sometimes where there's just this one tree, and which bucks will do that anyway. I mean they'll. If they ever, especially if it's fresh and it's still got some sin on it from the previous buck that rubbed it, they'll probably walk up to it and, you know, they'll rub it too. And more times than not, they're probably just going up to it to try to get that sin of whatever deer that was. But, right. but to answer your question, I know it's long-winded, but to answer your question, I do think typically the bigger the rub, usually the bigger the deer. And you have to you have to kind of look at it too. I mean, you can kind of depending on how big the tree is, you have to kind of look at the if there's grooves in it. You know, you can kind of see how big the deer's brow tines are. If if he right. you know gorged it enough to where he left grooves in the tree. And the tree's actually big enough to, you know, catch both of those brow tines. Um, so sometimes you might be able to do that. <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah, I, I noticed that this weekend uh, on edge of a peanut field. There was so many different rubs along the edge of the peanut field, and it would be one on one size tree, one on another size tree, and it's like, it's like the bucks were trying to mark their territory and, you know, get figure out if it, the same buck was making all the rubs or if it was one dominant buck just coming through there or what. So, Yeah. Now, I will say this. I think 
think usually if you see just a rub like here, a rub there, just they're kind of random. In my opinion, there's really no telling what deer made that rub. Um, right. If you've got, if you've got like a bunch of rubs and they're in a almost a perfect line, like say you're walking through the woods and you see a rub, and then another ten yards, you see another rub, another ten twenty yards, you see another rub, and you get down there and you look back, and if they're all like kind of in a line, or if they're if they're all on the same kind of path, you know. I think those rubs are probably made by one of your more dominant bucks in the area. Because Correct, what yeah. he's doing is, yeah, what he's doing is he's he's basically setting his territory, telling other bucks, "Hey, this is this is where I stay." Kind of staking out his claim, so to speak. Right, right. Because I've seen, I mean, and and see that's and that's cool. Because a lot of times, if you see just one random, if you see just one random rub, that's why I say there's there's really no telling what deer made it. And and I do think you know if you see a scrape line, I mean a, a rub line, I think that's the one that's actually made by your more mature buck. And because I got a picture one time, I put a camera up. And put it on the road bed. Uh-huh. And I knew the deer, and I, I didn't put anything out. I just put the camera there, looking down the road, basically a four-wheeler trail. And, cause there was deer tracks going all down it. And I had my camera up, and this little buck, I get pictures of this little buck, and he's, I don't know, I think he's like a four-pointer, maybe a five-pointer. And, uh, but I got a picture of him actually making a rub for like the first time like he just walked right to a tree and started rubbing it and that tree had never been rubbed before and i thought that was really i thought that was really cool but and that's why i really think like if you see just a random rub then there's really no telling what deer made it because in that area there weren't any rubs and then all of a sudden he just he come in there and I guess he saw that one tree and didn't like it, so. <laughs> I got you. That's always a, a mystery question on, you know, you can talk about rubs and scrapes all all night long, but, I mean, uh, it's just, you know, I had to run those questions by you. But uh, let me switch yeah, I, topic. I will, say, I, w- I will say this one last thing. I mean, I, I do think see, I, I've never really had a lot of success hunting scrapes. As far as, you know, having the buck come to the scrape and cleaning it out. But, I mean, I think the best thing you can do is find an area with some rubs and with some scrapes. Try to figure out where the deer are bedding at. And then, you know, play your wind accordingly, however you think you need to set up and just kind of be kind of be in the area of where all that sign is not necessarily be right on top of it correct yeah you know, try to be you know try to be in the area between the bed and where the sign is and then also be in the right spot for what you think the wind should be right and i think that's how you that's how you succeed hunting hunting sign like that yeah i can't say i've had any you know Tremendous amount of luck on hunting uh, scrapes or you know rub lines. I'm, I mean, I agree with you 100%. You know, as long as you put yourself in the vicinity of the area, it gives you more opportunity to see them. But uh, right. Uh, I wanted to ask you something else. Uh, uh, talking about rut, I keep getting the, I keep getting a picture of this deer, and I'm only getting him at night. And he's probably he's probably 150, 160 inch deer. And, uh, hmm. I only get pics of him at night. And, uh, what, I know if I can sit up close to his bedding area, that, that'll up my chances of seeing him more in daylight hours versus, you know, the rut. But what, 
how do how do you approach that in a far as you know getting their, up in their chances on seeing him more in daylight hours if, it, if you're only getting him on night nighttime photos? Hmm. Well, that's a million dollar <clears throat> question, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that you ask that because I was hunting a deer. And, and I, I'm sure people get tired of me saying this because I, I talk about this deer all the time. But this deer changed my outlook on deer hunting. I learned a lot from this deer. I never killed him. Somebody else killed him on the property beside me. Uh-huh. Um, but I learned a lot from this deer even though I never, I, even though I didn't kill him. Um, I did see him one time and I had him at 25 yards. I didn't have a shot that I was comfortable with. I could have shot him in the neck. Everybody hounded me like, oh, you should have just shot. I mean, you got to kill him. Like I wouldn't, I, I couldn't do that. Right. That was all, that was all I could see was his neck and his head and his rack. And I just, I wasn't going to shoot him like that. And, uh, because with a bow, you ain't got a whole lot of room for error when you shoot them in the neck. Exactly. And uh, like, because there's only there's only one spot in the neck. Well, actually two. If you clip his throat, or you got to hit that main artery in his neck. Right. Really, the only two spots you're gonna you're gonna shoot him where he's gonna actually die. To where you can find him, he may die, but you may not find him. But anyway, but this deer, he he taught me a lot, and he he did the same exact thing that that what you're talking about. Summertime, I got pictures of him all day, like every single day. I got a few pictures of him in the daytime, early bow season, <clears throat> but and. And that was my one chance to kill him was the time I saw him, and it just didn't happen. He just didn't give me a shot. After that, I never saw him again. Got pictures of him all deer season. Never saw him, though. And then next year rolls around. And he was 160 that year. And uh, next year rolls around. I get seven pictures of this deer in August. And I'd never got a single picture of him again after that. And the guy on the property beside us shot him. And he shot him on November the 10th. He was 180, he was 180 inches. But with that being said, I just wanted to lay that out there. That way you know where I'm coming from because I, I did the same exact thing with that deer. I tried to figure the same thing out. Yeah. And what I did was I took probably the first thing I would do, figure out, try to figure out where he's coming from. If you can figure out the direction he's coming from, then the, the, what you want to do is you want to figure out where he's bedded. Correct. So if he's coming in, if he's coming in there at nighttime, and it's all night, like what time of day? Time of day is like you've gotten a picture of him. The pictures are more around eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. You know, that's when he seems to be moving through the area. All right. Now, was this before time change or after? This is before. Okay, so early season, it's roughly getting dark, 7.30. Now, super early season, it's like getting dark at 8 o'clock. Yeah. First first of October, about 7.30, it's dark. So he was coming, basically he was coming in there right, like an hour after dark. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, do you get more pictures during that time frame than you do, like, early morning, say, 4, 5, 6 o'clock? 
Yeah, it seems to be mostly in the evenings. <clears throat> okay. When he's coming through. So that's, that's all right. So, so he's he's not bedding too too far from where you are. I think. I, is it a is it a thick property? Well, it's uh, the piece I got is about a hundred acres, and it's pine timber mixed with you know little hardwood bottoms and stuff like that. And then beside it is like a cut down scrub, kind of like a thicket. So I'm thinking he's bedding over in that thicket somewhere, and he's kind of mingling through the the hundred acres of hardwoods at night. That's what I'm thinking. I got you. All right, so if you could – so that's the number one thing is figure out where he's bedded. Well, first first I'll ask you this. Did you hunt him any any last year? No, this is uh, the first I got pictures of him this year. So he's either new to – new. I've only had this property for about two years, so I didn't get any any of them last year. Uh, but I didn't have a camera in this area where I'm talking about, so I just put this camera in this area probably in the middle of this summer. And I've been getting him at least probably two or three times a week coming through this area. Okay. Okay. Well, he's probably got. He may have two different locations where he beds. Maybe, maybe more than that. I, I don't. I'm no biologist or scientist, but and I don't know how many different locations deer bed, but or a certain buck will bed. But um, so, with that being said, if I, I was going to say if you hunted him last year. And you got any daylights of him last year, that's the first place I would go. And if you got daylights of him last year, go and hunt close to that same exact day in that same spot you got daylights of him the year before. But since that's not the case, probably what I would do is try to figure out what direction he's coming from. And uh, you can go, you can do it, uh, I guess, as much as you want. However many cameras you got, I don't know. In my opinion, you can you can never have too many cameras. But right. you can only you can only you know you can only put out so many because it ain't like you can have unlimited cameras. So yeah, I would I would put I would try to figure out where he's coming from, and 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 you of course you want to do it. You want to do it right. You want to be, you don't want to be just trounced through the woods, you know, to where you're leaving your scent everywhere. I would pick like a good rainy day or like a really windy day. Any any day where it's like just nasty weather or if it's just a light drizzly rain, those days like that are really good to to walk through the woods if you want to you know, get a camera up somewhere and you're kind of worried about going in there because you don't want to put your smell out there everywhere. Right, right. <clears throat> so try to figure out what direction he's coming from related. If you think you know where he's bedded and then you're getting pictures of him where your camera is, I would leave that camera and then take you another camera and put it halfway in between that camera and the bed, try to find maybe a trail or a deer trail or something, some kind of some kind of path that you know they take. All, all the deer, not just him, but um, and maybe take your cameras, put them out, you know, a hundred yards, a hundred yards or two hundred yards in a in a in the direction that you think he's coming from and see if you get pictures of him then and you may be able to get closer to daylight pictures. Okay, so use multiple cameras and try to catch him at a different location. Yeah. But, yeah, those cameras, they will really, really help you out 
because they're, they're, they'll do the work for you. And right. If you can get if you can get that intel, it'll it'll really help you. Yeah. So them, them cameras they they'll help you a lot because I mean I didn't kill the deer like I said that I hunted, but I got a lot more pictures and sometimes it's it's just it's super hard, especially here in Georgia. I mean, you really have to have a lot of cameras, and I'm not saying a bunch, but if it were me, I would have a camera for every shoot, man, twenty acres. A right. lot of people they a lot of people say one camera per hundred acres, but because because where you're hunting and pretty much all of Georgia, which you're down there in South Georgia, so it's not quite as thick down there as it is up here. But yeah. if it's got any kind of cover, if there's any substantial amount of cover on that property, I would, I would have a camera for every 20 acres. And, right. uh, cause, cause that buck I hunted, we had a 400, it was, it was a 400 acre piece. And I would get pictures of this buck. I had cameras all over the property. And then the other guys that were in the lease with us, they had cameras too. And we would, there would be some nights, man, not even during the rut. I'm talking early October. There would be some nights we would get pictures of him on the whole property. So, so he's doing some roaming, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I think deer, yeah, they, they stay tight. The older they get, the tighter their home becomes, but I do think a lot of times we don't realize how much of – what am I trying to say here? It's, I don't think we realize how much property a deer realizes they use. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that, if that makes sense because – Cause I'm gonna tell you, especially here recently, last two or three years, I've been seeing bucks travel a two, three, four, six hundred acre property and be on the whole entire property in one or two days. Right down here, down here where we hunt, down you know we got a lot of ag fields. I mean, a lot of peanut and corn. And- cotton and stuff like that so i mean our i think our timber blocks might not be quite as large as you guys was up there uh just because we have a lot of ag fields and stuff but uh, I, i've gotten like last year i had one deer he was probably a little over a mile i had two pictures of him within a, over a mile radius and he was on one field and he went to another field the same evening. Yeah. Yeah. When that was, and was that during the rut? Yeah, that was during the rut. So he was roaming. Okay. Well, I mean, that, <clears throat> if it's during the rut, I, I kind of, if, if I get, if I see a deer and traveled a mile during the rut, I, I kind of just, I kind of throw that out. That's right. You know, as far as like trying to, trying to track him down where his home is. But like in the summer, if it's early season or even October, early October or September, man, because I, in that particular book that I was talking about, Uh I would get pictures of him in one spot and then in the evening and then three hours later, I'd get a picture of him 800 to a thousand yards away. Wow. In the in the summertime, man. Uh, in my opinion, that's that's a long way for a deer to move. Yeah, so you can just imagine what kind of area they roam when they're rutting. Yeah, and I mean, but I think the general rule is a, a usually a buck is going to have a home radius of one square mile, but one square mile, and I'm going to give a, a plug or a shout out right here. <laughs> to uh, Ryan Maxnick, we did a podcast with him a few episodes ago. Uh, 
one square mile is 660 acres, I do believe. Yeah. I heard that podcast so, and it stuck in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, 660 acres is a lot if you're right. trying to pin down one deer. But then that's why, and, and it just comes right back to it. I think that's why cameras are so important. <clears throat> but. Right. I'm using Bushnell right now. I mean, what is your, what do you guys, I mean, I know you try to put as many as you out, you can't out in the woods or, you know, try to put as many cameras in the woods and you don't want to put so many $200 or, you know, per each camera. What what cameras do you guys use or try to recommend or so forth? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, to me, it don't matter what the camera costs. If it, if it takes a picture to where you can tell what deer, what deer it is, it's a good camera to, in my opinion. I don't care if it costs 20 bucks or 300 bucks. Right. Now, some of our guys, they do want better cameras or cameras that'll take better quality pictures and stuff like that. And sometimes you'll get, you know, a camera, you'll get a lemon and it'll just be bad and it'll take really bad pictures. But in in my opinion, I'm not going to speak for all of our guys, but for me, here recently I have found or I have come to the conclusion that what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get a camera that as cheap as I can get it, as long as it takes good pictures to where I can tell what deer it is, then that's what, that's the camera I'm going to use. Um, now, I do have one camera. It's a, a Moultrie. I'm, I can't tell you what model it is. I bought it several years ago, but it was 40 bucks. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but it seems it seems like the longer that I've had it, it actually gets better. It, it takes better pictures. Uh, I first got it. It took great daytime pictures. Nighttime pictures, eh, it was so-so. But it would take one picture good, and the next picture would be solid black. And then the next picture would be good. Next picture, it was just like that. Boom, boom, boom. Every other picture was solid black at nighttime. Right. And it would do that sometimes, and it would do that sometimes during the day. But for about the last two years, I have, I haven't had a single problem with that camera. Like it's, it's taken great pictures. And right, right, right now, actually, I just, I just got a camera a few weeks ago. They got them at Walmart. Now, again, we're not sponsored by any kind of camera company, so we can speak we can kind of speak freely about cameras. <laughs> so, uh-huh. But I bought I bought a um I bought a Tasco at Walmart. That's twenty eight bucks. Yeah. Twenty eight bucks. They got one it's a twenty eight dollar it's twenty eight bucks, the other one is thirty eight. One's right. an eight megapixel, the other one's a ten. But in my opinion, both of them are amazing for the price that you're paying. Right. And 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 and, and, see, and the biggest thing to me is it doesn't matter what camera it is. I don't care if it's a if it's a Tasco or if it's a Reconics, whether it costs twenty bucks or whether it costs six hundred bucks. All of them have a lifetime that they're going to live out, and then they're going to just quit. It's been that way right. ever since trail cameras come out. Every camera that I've had, usually after five or six, maybe seven years, they're going to eventually stop working. So with every camera I've had, now I've never owned a Reconics, and I'm sure you pay that much money, you expect it to last for as long as you hunt. But I just—I don't think that's going to happen. Because the more yeah, you use it, the more yeah. it's just going to yeah. wear out. <clears throat> but right. 
that's just the, the way I look at it is the, I'm just going to go and buy a camera that works. And after four or five years, if it quits working and I only paid 30 bucks for it, I'm still happy. Gotcha. Yeah. Another question I got for you. Uh, I hate to keep keep bouncing topics off of you, but I mean, I want to touch this. Do you guys use any kind of protein? Protein feed? Yes, sir. We do, actually. We do. We feed, it's called buck muscle. And we feed it just about at every every place we hunt. Um, now, I do have one spot that I haven't put. I put out a little bit, but it, it's it's a feed, so you, it can't get wet. And I've just I just haven't taken a, a I haven't put a feeder in there and stuff. I haven't put a feeder in there, so. That's why I haven't been putting much at that one spot, but everywhere else, all of our guys we hunt, we we feed buck muscle. And this, so let me ask you, it's pretty let good. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, I currently use gravity feeders in feeding straight corn right now. Uh, I contacted the guys at at Buck Muscles, and they do have it in the area I hunt. Given that. He told me to mix it like fifty fifty at first, and then kind of wean the wean the corn out. Do you just straight feed protein during the summer months, or do you feed it just about year round straight? Uh, well, I mean, it just depends on. I guess it depends on what you want to do. I mean, you can feed it. I don't really feed it a hundred percent all year round. I mean, I will throw corn out too, but you're not gonna. You're only gonna make. You're only gonna help the deer even more if you feed all straight protein feed all year long. Because corn, corn don't do nothing for them. Right. All it, all, all corn is is just an energy burner. That's all it is. They just they eat it, and right after they eat it, like if they burn it up. And but that's and that's why he wanted he was telling you to to mix it because <clears throat> a lot of times and that's the problem too even not just buck muscle but any of these feeds now that are coming out these days and even a lot of the feeds on the shelf that you can go and buy at the big stores there's so much there's so much protein in them and there's they're like there's so much the deer are drawn to them so much they just eat, eat, and eat, which is uh-huh. is okay. So that's okay if it's like good protein because it's not gonna hurt them. But but then once they say you take a bag of buck muscle, put it out, they're gonna eat it and they're gonna just sit there and eat it until it's gone. Now you go back and you throw just a bag of corn out, especially if you just throw it out in a pile. And you make it easy for the deer to get to it. They're just they're gonna do the same thing to it. They're just gonna sit there and eat and eat. And like once they get so what that corn does, if it, if they eat too much of it at one time, it can get in their it gets in their stomach and it curdles. And then it it basically just burns them up, and and it'll yeah. kill them. <clears throat> and uh, I I don't I. I I think we actually had a buck that that happened to a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know. It, it could have been that or it could have been EHD. It could have been blue tongue. I don't know. But um, we're getting pictures of this little, he's a nice little buck. He's a seven-pointer, maybe a two- or three-year-old deer. And uh, I got pictures of him all summer. And then me and my brother were hunting one day, and we're walking down the creek, you know, and see a deer laying in the creek dead, and it was him. And I don't, I don't know what happened to him. And that that could have been something that happened to him. It was very possible that that did, but it could have been a number of other things too. Right. Now, do you, 
Do you speed it straight? Do you speed it straight right now? Uh, yeah, you can. I mean, you can feed it straight. I mean, because they they always need protein. Um, right. The most important time for them to have protein, though, is after deer season. Yeah. When, well, it, not even summer, but like January, February, early spring. That's that's the best time for deer to get protein because, well, especially bucks and, and does because does that's when they're that's when they're starting to carry their fawns. So does need it just as much as bucks do in the early part of the year. And um, now, but, do you guys use crawl feeders or? Yeah, yeah. Well, with that with that feed, it's it's, it's you you have to you have to have a feeder, a covered, some type of covered feeder, and because uh, if it gets wet, man, they'll it's just it gets nasty, super nasty. But I tell you this, they will, <laughs> they will still eat it, even even after. I mean, and that's that's another thing you got to be careful if you do put some out on the ground, straight to the ground, you know, and it happens to get wet, they will still come in there and eat it, even if it's molded and all gunky. I mean, it is it is nasty when it gets wet, but they'll still come in there and eat it. I guess that speaks to how, how much they like it. But, and, is that in a pellet or is it grain? You can get it in both. You can get it granular or a pellet. Okay, gotcha. Now would that work in a what in a right now I'm using boss bucks. Would that work in a boss buck feeder, you reckon? Uh maybe. I I'm not I'm sorry, but I'm not uh, familiar with the boss buck feeders. Is that like a is it a time feeder, like a like a feeder that throws what? the feed out? No, it's a gravity feeder and it, it funnels, it's got like four different ports that come out and they deer stick their nose in it and eat it. I got you. Um, yeah, I mean, you might be able to get away with doing either one, pellet or grain, or grain, but uh, I don't know. Pellets may be better, but the grain, the grain will work too, probably, because I, I made a, I took one of those wild game feeders, the time feeders, and, uh, I turned it into a gravity feeder. Uh huh. It actually worked really well, and but I made the mistake of not thinking about raccoons, and they come in there and they just kept they just come in there and play in it, man, and they kept on kept on, and all my feed just poured out. <laughs> so, but Please. but it worked like the the it, the the grain still worked like it would. It would actually flow right, even in the gravity feeder, and then it would stop. You know, once that once that once that hole got covered up enough, it would it would stop flowing. So, well, re- relaying that to what I got, I got two uh, hundred acre tracks. Would it? Do you think I, would it would it benefit me to protein feed on a a track that small or? Am I just helping anybody around me? Yeah, I mean, it's still going to benefit you because if you're feeding, I mean, yeah, other people are going to, you know, say you start growing deer or you got a deer that's growing. I mean, other deer, other people are going to have opportunity to see him, but you'll also have the opportunity to see him too. So. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's still it'll still be good, and plus it'll help. The, I mean, you protein feed it helps the whole herd out, and so that's the thing. I think a lot of people that's a big misconception that a lot of people have is you don't want to you don't protein feed just to feed the buck because it really doesn't matter. I mean, he has to get his, he has to get what he needs to be able to grow his rack to its full potential, no doubt. 
He's got to get uh-huh. protein every year. But once he's once he's born, or well, not even born. Once he's inside that dough, and he ain't nothing but a, a embryo. I guess that's right. the term, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> when he's in that doe's belly, that's when the decision is made on how big of a buck he's gonna be. It doesn't. Right. Once he's born, once he's born. He he can only he can only be so big. So it's more important about what your does eat than it is about what your bucks eat. Yeah, that's good. That's good information. I mean, because I've never ever protein fed. I just you know fed corn, and I just I'm more getting more. The more I hunt, the more I'm leaning toward management. And I know it ain't a lot of property, but still, I want to take care of what I got try to give the nutrition to what deer I do have because it seems like I have a lot of does and they uh, they use that piece of property for like a sanctuary and they just, you know, they're because we don't hardly mess with the does and, you know, we'll let the kids shoot one here and there, but for the most part, it's more like a sanctuary and the does just seem to roam around free and it, to me, it just brings the bucks in during the rut, so that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you got a, you see all the time people talking about, you know, manage your does, manage your um, your buck to doe ratio, but you can't you can't do that when you when you got a small piece of property. Yeah, and and small is five hundred acres, six hundred acres is actually considered small. Because, I mean, right. it's just like we said, one square mile is 660 acres. So right. that's small. Like, if you want to have, like, you got to have a lot of property if you want to have, it's, well, in, in especially in Georgia, mm-hmm. if you want to have four or five bucks that could possibly be Boone and Crockett, you're going to have to have a lot of property. I mean, you're looking at 2,400 so acres right there, just about. <laughs> yeah, like I just don't see. I mean, now if you were in Iowa, then yeah, you could have 300 acres, and and right. possibly have three or four bucks on that 300 acres. It's a booner, but it's because right. they got food. Yeah, <clears throat> that's true. Another thing I wanna, I mean, I, I I hate bouncing all these different topics off, and I know I'm going in 40 different directions but when I got you I, I just wanted like I said I wanted to pick your brain about another, another thing is uh, I, do you ever do you ever use ozonics and what do you, what's your thoughts about it well first I want to tell you man it don't matter like I I, I, I like doing this I don't, I don't, to me it don't matter how much you bounce around um, and hopefully people I'm sure ain't nobody else going to really mind it at all. I think, you know, because you might be asking a question that somebody thought about while they were listening, you know, so. Right. But, um, but no, I'm, I've never used those onyx. Um, and again, this is going to come back to the, the trail camera thing. To me, it's just, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, to me, I just think it's it, it's way too expensive. Right. I mean, and I'm cheap. I'm, I'm cheap anyway. So, I mean, I'll, I, I'd rather go out and buy a twenty dollar camera at, for my trail camera. So, y'all know I'm cheap, but I, to me, they're just too expensive. And I, I don't, I don't know if I would buy one. Now, if I had one, I, I would, I would definitely use it because I do think that they work. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't to me in my opinion they they they're too expensive. Yeah, I, I listened it, to the last podcast with you know you had uh what was his name uh, I can't think of it right off my head. Uh, you, I, you guys was talking about scent control and everything else. That might have been the Ricky. Oh, Ricky. Ricky yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, he was talking about scent control. When you, I mean, like you said, you can do do all this kind of stuff and buy all these gadgets, but if you still ain't got the wind in the right direction, you're, I mean, that's your key element right there is the wind, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, now, and that, and I think that's what's so cool about us with Strut South TV. I mean, we got we got six six guys in it, six of us. And all of us have different opinions on the biggest one is scent. We all have different opinions on that. We we pretty right. much all hunt the same. We all got the same views on how to hunt and stuff like that. But as far as scent and stuff like that, that's probably the biggest, I guess you could say, disagreement or we just, we don't have the same views on it. But like, uh, like Justin, he is by far the most hardcore out of all of us when it comes to scent control. Yeah. Um, now, and I'll, I'll give him credit. He he really works hard at being as scent free as he can, and he does see deer. He sees a lot of deer. Mm-hmm. But he also hunts the wind, and he probably hunts the wind better than – any of us do. That's, and what I mean by that is he's more adamant about hunting the right wind right. Than, than the rest of us are. Now, me, I mean, I kind of, my view is I try my best to hunt the wind. I spray down, and I'll give a plug here. Uh, we use 3D Hunting Supply. It's, they make, it's, his name's Daryl Tyler. And he makes uh-huh. a scent spray. It's cover scent. And that stuff is unreal. Like it's out of this world unreal. And and that stuff works. Is he a local guy around, around there? He he's um he is in the southeast and uh yeah, he's probably gonna I'm gonna get chastised for this. But I <laughs> sorry about he, that. He's he is somewhere I wanna say Somewhere in Alabama, I do believe. I may be wrong, okay. but <laughs> if you hear this, Daryl, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's in the southeast, but uh, that's right. But yeah, he he's got some bad stuff, man, and and they that stuff works. And but that's my biggest thing is I I use it, I spray down, and I try my best to hunt the wind. Which is almost impossible, especially right. here in Georgia. Which I've heard, I've heard that it's almost impossible to hunt the wind everywhere, even in the Midwest. It still, the wind still blows in four different directions when you're sitting there. But, but that's the way yeah, I. Especially do. if you get a, especially if you get a swirly kind of wind, and then they, I got yeah. one, I got one stand that. I got a, a couple of bucks hanging out. The only way I go to that stand if I ever get a northeast wind, that's the only way I'll go to it. If I if it ain't a northeast wind, then I ain't going in there. Yep, yep. Now, yeah, I, I hunted. The particular place I hunted where I killed my buck a couple of weeks ago, um, I was sitting there the other evening, and I, I went in, and I looked, I checked the wind, and it was blowing perfect. The, the indicator, like my app that I used, it was like, it was saying perfect where the wind was blowing. I'm like, okay, it's going to be great. I need to go hunting. And I sat there. It was blowing. Which way was it blowing? It was it was coming out of the, like a southwest wind. Basically, while I was sitting in the stand, I needed the wind to be blowing to my left. And it was as soon as I got in the stand. Twenty minutes went by. It was blowing from my left. It was blowing to my right. So it was blowing completely the opposite direction. And then a few minutes later went by. It was blowing right in my face. And then a few minutes later went by. It was blowing right behind my back. So it it literally blew every range of the compass, north, south, east, and west. 
while I was sitting there in the span of about two and a half hours. Yeah, that happened, the same thing happened to me. Uh, I was sitting in the stand. What was it? I think it was, I want to say this past Friday evening, I was sitting in the stand and it was, I needed it to come out to Southwest. It was coming out to Southwest fine. So I went to the stand, got in the stand. It wasn't in a half hour later that the wind started coming out Northeast and I was like, I give up. So I just kind of yeah. threw my hands in the air and just sat there anyways. Yep. And that's that's the thing. I mean, and like you were saying, you were asking about those onyx. I mean, that's just one. It's just one other tool that can help you take down right. your scent. And and I I do believe they work. I mean, I don't know if I'll buy one. Just because yeah. I don't want to spend I don't want to spend three or four hundred dollars. I don't know what they cost, but I know they're at least that much. But um. But like I say, even if you got that and you got all that scent-free stuff, just like you were talking about when I was talking to Ricky Joe, it don't matter what you do, you're still not going to be 100% free of scent. So, and the wind is going to, you know, you just have to, we just got done talking about the wind blowing in all different directions, but that's that's really the only thing you got is you have to try your best to hunt the wind. Yeah, it's like I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, you know, you can have all these gadgets and all this scent cover this and scent cover that, but if you ain't at the right place at the right time, it's all for nothing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you got to have the wind and be at the right place at the right time. So, Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's almost like... I guess you could call it uh, strategic luck. Exactly. <laughs> you, hit, you hit the nail on care. the head. Yeah, because I don't care what you do. You might think you got a deer figured out, and you gonna you gonna crash in on him or whatever, and you got him pegged, and you go and you see him hunting. But at the end of the day, you got to have a little bit of luck for him to walk right in front of you. Exactly. But you know what? That's that's what gets us out of the bed all crazy hours of the mornings and spend all kinds of money to get out in the woods because of the thrill of what these amazing animals give us. And it yep. keeps us coming back every year. Yep. You got to go because you never know what will happen. Exactly. That's all the questions I had for you. But, man, you, I could sit here and talk hunting all night and everything and uh but I appreciate all your information and stuff. I mean, that was, I even got me a little notepad wrote down here and took down some notes and everything. So, but like I said, man, if y'all, if you guys out here are listening, uh, Strut South guys do it real. So, I mean, that's, that's what I, that's why I enjoy talking to, you know, like Ryan and all, all that. And, uh, like I said, I need, I texted him and wanted to ask him some questions and the guy text or, you know, messaged me right back. That's, you know, I, I value his time and his, you know, efforts and stuff. So I just want to thank you for it. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate it too. I, I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate all the comments you made about us and uh, real nice comments you made there. And I, I mean, that's and you're right. That's that's what we do. That's what we want people to see. We want it to be real. We don't right. want to. We don't want to try to make it pretty. I mean, yeah, if we if we get a hunt on kill and it's on camera and everything. We want to make it look as good as we can make it, but but at the end of the day, we want it to be real more than anything. And uh, absolutely, I just I I love getting on, and that's that's why I, like we started this podcast. Like that's that's what this episode right here I think is really great example of what we want this podcast to be. Like we want to be able to talk to anybody. Especially, and it's even better. It's even better for for myself if I talk to local guys because I, then I I might learn something. You know what they're seeing, especially when it comes right. to the gut. But but we want to talk to anybody, man. That that just gives love to get out there and go hunting because you can learn you can learn something from anybody. Well, yeah, you, you 
you can always learn new tricks from anybody. And like I said, I mean, like what happens on your side of the state might help me on this side of the state. So, I mean, we can bounce things off each other and learn from each other and, you know, make us better outdoorsmen and, you know, get valuable information. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because, I mean, when we get a, when we get a weather front here, you'll be, you should be getting it just a few hours later. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but yeah, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up, I guess, and we'll kind of, we'll just go ahead and send this thing out. And like I said again, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on here, Sean, and, uh, I had a blast talking with you. It's my pleasure, and uh, like I said, uh, good luck to you and the guys at Strut South this year. Y'all do some fantastic uh, podcasts and videos, and uh look forward to seeing many more of them. All right, Sean. Thanks, bud. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, Ryan.